0: Think of the difference between an iPhone video and a Sundance film. Camera audio versus a studio track. A novice or someone with experience. Sure, each has their place, but which will have maximum impact? Summer Shower Productions, a black-owned, woman-owned production company built to create valuable and inspirational content for you. Whether it's a promotional video, a short film, interviews, event photography or utilizing our extensive editing and post-production tools to take your already captured content to the next level we always bring creativity integrity and passion to every project we produce so consider some of productions for your next project let's build something great together
1: What's going on folks, it's your boy again back in the building, Dr. Sean Thomas here. I just want to let you know about an awesome summer camp called Nori. Nori Summer Camp is a place to be. As one of the leaders in STEM education, Nori exposes young people to the ever-changing world of technology while showing both boys and girls how fun science and technology can truly be. For more information on how to be a part of this amazing program, visit www.nori.com forward slash summer more information or you can email me directly dr sean at be for a discount code which gives you a hundred dollars off your registration let's continue to show our kids how great we can be and we can be more together if we just continue to share the knowledge and share the love have a great day i'll talk to you soon peace What's going on, folks? It's your boy again, back in the building, Dr. Sean Thomas here, episode 63 of the Be More Today show. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building, and folks, I have a great show for you as always. Before we go any further, I gotta say just thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our followers, our subscribers. Uh, if you've been following us on YouTube or our podcast, our podcast, all podcast platforms, thank you. We really appreciate it. It's been awesome going out there and just sharing our wealth of knowledge with you, trying to, again, encourage ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We are now heard in 36 countries, trending, 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 trending. It's all thanks to your love and support. So we really appreciate all of you. Uh, If you've been watching our workouts on YouTube, we appreciate you You following our our Monday uh, podcast. We appreciate you. And folks, this is the time of the year. We are halfway through the year. Do you believe it? 2021, halfway through, there are so many things that we said you wanted to do, and we're doing them, but we still have so much more work to do. And my quotation for today is very, very simple. It's by Meister Eckhart, and it says, the price of inaction is far greater than the cost of making a mistake. The price of inaction is far greater than the cost of making a mistake. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in not wanting to mess up right? We wouldn't just go out there and say, you know what? I'd rather just not even try because I don't want to mess up. I don't want to go out there and make a mistake. I'm not going to put the effort in. What's the point of me going out there and making a mistake? But folks, the only way for us to really learn from anything is to mess up. We have to mess up on certain things. You got to try and fail, right? That's how you learn certain things. Everything that I've learned in life, whether it's grad school, whatever else, the things that I messed up on, I never forgot, right? The test that I, I failed, I had to retake those tests. I got all that stuff right. And I remembered it even better because I know that or I knew that I messed up the first time. So there was no way for me to mess up again, right? Fumi once, they say, right? Shame on me. So get out there and make sure that you're not afraid to make these mistakes. You're never gonna know how great you can really be until you go out there and see what you can really do. And that applies to not just the professional realm, that applies to the physical realm, right? If you go out there and you're saying that you want to lose weight or you want to get faster or whatever else, Yeah, it's going to be really hard the first time you go out there, right? It's going to be crucial for you to go out there and recognize that your first attempt is not going to be great. I think sometimes you get caught up in just saying, well, I messed up my first time, so I'm not going to try again. No, 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 no. You have to go out there and try the first time. And no, you're not going to be great the first time you do it. But it's the second time and the third time, your body gets used to it. Now it's going to be easier for you in the fourth and fifth time. And then you get to a rhythm. And then before you even know it, you're doing your thing. So just make sure that you go out there and you're not afraid to try. You're not afraid to try and go out there and, and make a mistake. And my guest on the show today, we're talking about cost of making mistakes. She is uh, someone who I want to bring on the show because there are a lot of people out there when it comes to their finances, they're also afraid to make mistakes. They're also afraid to make and choose the right choices and to take risks or to be uh, uh, savvy in terms of how we're making uh, our financial decisions. And my guest on the show today is going to help us to really define how we decide what are good options, not so good options, the best choices, not the best choices for us financially to get to a better place you want to be. And her name is Casey. Casey is a friend of mine now, but we have mutual friends with David Francis and Crystal Ward. She's a seasoned professional who has worked in the fashion industry for nearly 20 years. She is currently a wealth advisor at Claris Group. Most recently, Casey was part of an elite 13 person team at UBS where she spent almost 17 years providing financial guidance and investment strategies for the firm's ultra wealthy, managing an extra 500 million in investable assets. Her client base consisted of entrepreneurs, CEOs, CFOs of the Fortune 500 companies. Prior to joining a team at UBS, Casey began her career in public accounting. Folks, she has a wealth of knowledge. She is a CPA and a certified financial planner, and she does a lot of work at her church as well. Also an author of the book, Walking by Faith and Not by Sight, Learning to Be Still in the Mists of Life's Chaos. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please, Welcome to the stage, my friend, Casey. Casey, what's going on?
0: Sean, thank you so much for having me. And you and I did not talk about this, but just this morning, so I'm reading a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And this morning, the section that I read on was exactly what you started with right? And he shared this example where um, the professor walked into the class the first day and he gave one half of the classroom an assignment. He said, um, take pictures, take as many pictures, you're going to be judged on quantity to figure out what your grade is. And the other half of the room, he said, take the best picture. You're going to be graded on the quality of your one picture that you turn in. And um, the results were the ones who did The most pictures, the quantity, all the the best pictures were selected from that group. And the ones that had just the one picture to turn in, those were all just mediocre. Uh So it wasn't an act of fine tuning or not doing anything just to get to that one point where you're sitting and planning and doing everything else. It was the action of doing that repetitive action to be able to get better. So that cost, I loved, loved that you started there.
1: Look at that! Look at that! All aligned for the right purpose. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, so, listen, I'm super excited to have you on the show again. We have mutual friends with David Francis and Crystal Ward, uh, Casey Gordon. I, I'm I'm enamored by your wealth of knowledge already, and um, there's so much to talk about. I have so many questions for you. Now, we've had people on the show before talking about financial guidance and what have you, but I, I wanted to bring you on the show today because you are a wealth advisor. Right. And, you know, a lot of people talk about wealth. We talk about health as wealth, and whatever else. But we're talking about finances today. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to being wealthy, there's a line. Right. Between people who have money, um, people who check the rich, right. It's a whole category by itself and the wealthy. Um, and you've had the opportunity to work with some of the wealthiest people in the world. Right. As a wealth advisor. I'm curious. Um, in your years of expertise and training and all that stuff that you've learned, and know what's happening now in terms of the, the climate of today's people, right, coming out of COVID-19 and what have you, um, how do you encourage people uh, who are not into investing in anything, when they have bills, they have things that take care of, things that are right in front of them, how do you encourage them to think about investing anything in um, that is going to be outside of their current everyday expenses?
0: Wow, that's such a great question. And just thinking about that goes back to, we can act, I mean, we can think and think and think how we want to do these things, or we can actually just start, right? Creating that habit. So one of the great things about a 401k plan, and I'll start there because I think a lot of people really, like they go to companies to work and there's a 401k plan offered. If you just start there, that's a great place to start. Some companies are matching, right? So if you're putting in 3%, and I know that's a relatively low number, but 3% of your um, your paycheck and your company's matching 3%, right off the bat, you're starting with 6% of whatever you're earning, and you do that. You do that consistently over many years, that that concept of action. and then you start building something, right? And sometimes, and I know when we're creating habits, especially good habits, it feels like that first step is the hardest. Can we afford to do this? And we don't think we can, but start small, right? It's not the biggest action one time that's going to make the impact, right? I know you you train people. It's going to be the small actions over time. I read one of your posts recently where you talked about you hadn't ran for a long time, but you were starting and you wanted to make sure that you weren't trying to do everything all at once. And I, I applied that same concept to finances, right? Looking at where you are and starting. So if you can only afford to do $25 a week and then you do that consistently, um, say first, you I think you need to start with saving, right? So if you are, no matter what, we always think we can't afford it, but start where you are start with $25, $50 and build that habit. And the more money you make, don't start like going up to the the amount of money that you're making, continue to live below your means and do that consistently. And once you've gotten to, I want to say the emergency fund number, start
1: investing and start looking at investments. That's great advice. And, you know, I, I I usually apply the principle of fitness to many things, and I never thought about applying it to finances, but the way you just said it makes complete sense. It's it's the same concept. Um, I think a lot of people find it daunting to think about, well, you know, I have all these bills I have to take care of. How can I spend anything extra to invest in? But if you like the way you just said it, that small investment, you know, that three, six, you know, my company matches our, um, our 401k and for a while i was doing the minimum i was doing three percent and i said listen why am i why am i just doing that if i'm i'm, I'm losing out on on funds and money that that can really just be coming in off the on the back end um for my tax purposes and for the longer picture as well so i increased my 401k contribution and and i was very fortunate to do that but i think a lot of people even when i do my new hires a lot of my my therapists come in in my staff members and they they ask me the question so how much should i you know should I be putting in or contributing? And you know, I, I say whatever I say, but a lot of us just don't know, you know, what what the rules are, what what the uh, the, the, the nuances to this thing are and, are, and and what we should be doing. We're not taught those things, um, unless you go into a class. I mean, you're you're trained in this, so it's a little different. But um, most of our families, depending on what what ethnicity you've been coming from, don't have this experience in terms of learning these things at an early age, uh, and some do. And the ones who do are usually the ones, I mean, I'm sure you know it's better than me, but the ones who do have a better time and an easier time and they're just a little ahead of the game when it comes to financial planning. Uh, And some of us are behind the eight ball when it comes to that thing. So I'm I'm glad you shared that.
0: Exactly that. And I'll I'll answer that generally, right? Do what you can afford. But if if your company is matching up to 5%, if you're not putting away at least 5%, you're leaving money on the table. So I'll, I'll do the simple math, right? If your company says I'll match you up to 5% and you're only putting away 3%, you're le- losing 2% every single year that you don't get up to that amount. Right. And if your salary is increasing, don't increase your lifestyle to your salary, try to live on what you have. And I promise you, it might not look like it at the beginning, but over time, it will, especially when it's invested, and make sure it's invested appropriately for your age and what your risk tolerance is, and what you're looking to do over the long term.
1: Yeah. But
0: that makes a huge impact.
1: Yeah,
0: I've yeah. been in this, you know, I've been in this arena for the last 20 years investing. Um, I want to say for probably the last 16 or so years, um, but it makes a big, big impact when you look at it over the long term.
1: Right. Now, so you have people who, you know, if they're full-time then they get that 401k um, uh, option, but if you're not full-time, right, say with someone who doesn't have a full-time job, uh, they're working multiple jobs, but they're making 40 hours total, but they don't really have that 401k option. What advice are you giving to those people who want to invest in something, but they're literally living paycheck to paycheck and they don't have the option to do a 401k or any kind of other investment at their job at this time?
0: Sure. So that's a great question. So I would say two things or maybe even three, right? So the first place is to look at how you're spending. Sometimes we think we can't afford to do things, but then we're going out to dinner every night, right? And I'm not saying that's the case for everyone. Or we're buying lunch at work. It's been proven that if you make your lunch at home, you buy your food, make your lunch, whatever else, and take it, you can save a fair amount of money that way. So look at your spending habits and see if there are any things that you can do. I don't know what the dollar amount is. And for everybody who's listening, their dollar amount is going to be different. Is it $25 or $50 or $100? Like if I were to ask you, would you feel $25 if you were to not have it in a paycheck? All right. So if you automatically take it, and and that's I think that's the nice thing about a 401k plan, because it automatically takes it. And now all of a sudden you're forced to live on what you've gotten right? So if you create that habit for yourself, automatically taking that out off the top, you no longer have to think, oh my gosh, like how am I going to, you don't wait until the end to pay yourself. Pay yourself at the very beginning. And the first part of that should be towards savings. If emergencies happen, you can cover it. Like emergencies, when you have an emergency savings fund, just becomes an inconvenience and it's annoying to pay the money out. But you have the money, right? And then once you've gotten past that level, you start thinking about investing or you could do simultaneously, but I would more recommend get to a certain number, um, dollar amount with your emergency fund and then you start looking at investments. And then also just to add to that, there are other options that can provide tax benefits as well um, to put money in an IRA. But I would also caution you or advise and say, if you're going to go to the bank and open an IRA, if it's just going to sit in, be sitting in cash, you're doing yourself a disservice. So make sure that when you're opening an IRA, that they have investment choices as well, because it doesn't make sense to earn 0.001% of interest when you can have the opportunity
1: to invest over the long term and potentially make more, way more than that over the long term. Right, right. Now, a number of people, and I guess I'm thinking more about, I have, I have brothers, I have four brothers, and I remember there was a time where, um, one of my brothers said he didn't want to go to school, didn't want to go to college. Um, he wanted to go, but he couldn't afford it at the time, right, and, uh, we had suggested taking out some student loans, because everyone, you know, I, I come from the, the, the era of, well, you go into school, if you're not on a scholarship, you have to take some, some loans, so you can pay Mm -hmm. for this thing, um, but, He grew up in a different time and it wasn't a big difference in terms of time, but just the mindset was different where he said, you know what? I don't want to have to take out a certain number of of, of money, a certain amount of money to pay for school. I'd rather just pay for it by my own. If I can't pay for it by myself, then I'd rather just not go because I don't want to have to owe this thing in the end for something that I may or may not want to even do. And at the time I said to myself, well, that's crazy. You got to do this. Everybody's done this because that's all I was taught. But looking back on it, I'm like, you know what? I have so much student loans debt, <laughs> you know, and, and I think to myself, if I had had that same mindset as him to not take out those student loans, where would I have been? But for those who have a high student loan debt, right, um, who also want to invest in something, what, what's your advice to those people where, you know, they have, they have, they make good money, right? They, they went to school, they make good money. Uh, They're they're in the professional career, what have you. So they're they're doing pretty well, but they also have on the back end, these student loans that have crept up so that they can get to this point. So there's a balance now where, yes, they make a lot of money, but there's also a high debt ratio. And they may even have like, whether it's like um, private loans or some kind of other credit card debt that's also in there. Um, In those situations, is investing even an option? Is that something that they've been talking about? Or is it more about really trying to consolidate their debt to get to a better place to invest in the future?
0: I love, love, love this conversation on this, right? So I'm going to compare you to your brother. Um, and I don't know what your brother does as a professional, right? But I know sometimes it's it's the opportunity cost, right? So your bro- brother didn't take out debt and he's doing what he's doing now. You took out debt and I, can, I have to call you Dr. Sean, right? So there's a difference. So now you've become a high earner um, or potentially a high earner what it is, it's, it's gonna go back to opportunity cost, right? So if you have student loan debt that's gonna cost you 3% or 4% or somewhere in that range, you have to do a comparison of what is the potential rate of return on the other monies, right? So now you're gonna sit down and this is where I come in as a professional, I'm looking at everything, right? there's the opportunity to earn money on investments, but if you don't have any money invested, you you can't make any money, right? However, when you have debt, whether it's student loan debt um, and depending on what the percentage interest rate is or credit card debt, which is always going to be much, much higher, right? Um, You're going to have to do a comparison of, I know what these interest rates are I don't know exactly what the potential rate of return is going to be on the other side, but I know that historically, based on stock markets, based on what is done over the long term, it will earn me potentially this. I now have to look at the comparison as to what makes the most sense. So I want to throw all my money at debt and completely eliminate it and not have any investments. And also it's a it's a personal value, right? So I can come from debt is bad, you shouldn't have any debt, whatever else, but you might say, you know what, I'm okay with the debt if it's going to, um, I'm going to be able to earn more on the other side. So it's looking at the opportunity cost of one versus other and doing a comparison of what the potential rate of return is versus, um, what you're currently paying. I know I said a whole lot. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, um, get caught up in the the choice right like you just said those are two different options and um you know i think for those who have student loan debt as long as you're consolidated and you're able to pay it it doesn't feel as daunting right because if you know if it's an income-based repayment plan or something like that you're able to take care of it so it's not a problem right mm-hmm. you think that when it becomes too daunting and it doesn't really match up with what you're actually making this mm-hmm. it is like yeah i don't want to invest in anything because i have to make sure i pay this thing off and depending okay. on the amount of student loan debt that someone may have, I, I feel like for some people, it just feels like it's, so, it's such a long road um, that anything that involves investment is not even really going to be in their minds at this time. I, I'm talking more like buying a house and, and those kind of investments that you know are also lucrative in the long run, because you can take money out of that with equity and whatnot. But I think a lot of people get caught up in the, well, how can I put money into anything else when I have so much of this right here? Um, And I I think for some people that becomes very, very stressful, Um, myself included. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to buy a house. You got to buy a house. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much paying a mortgage payment for where we where we live in Brooklyn right now for this brownstone we we live in and we're renting it, you know, so we can buy a house. But, um, you know, the pressure to do that is just so interesting, especially nowadays when people are like, well, if you're making a certain amount of money. You should buy a house. You can do it for your taxes and what have you. But I think a lot of people, would, in my in my group and in other groups, like my brother, still have that choice to say, well, what's what's more important? Am I going to start to pay off this this debt and try to get into a better place to invest, or so am I going to say, you know what? Let me just not even go down that road and just have the freedom and liability to to do what I want to do and, and and save on on the other end. So, oh, it's, Sean. It's a this is, this is actually where a professional comes in, right?
0: Because yeah. now you can, you're trained as a physical therapist, right? And you know what you know, but I'm trained as a financial advisor. So, and I'm also going to come in, not looking, I don't have the same set of attachments to the things that you do, right? So a, a good professional is going to look at where you are and help you to, to decipher as to what makes the most sense. Because somebody else is telling you that you need to buy a house doesn't mean that that's the thing that you wanna do, right? So you have to figure out what your values are. Does it make sense? And not just from a financial perspective, everything does not go back to finances, says the financial advisor, right? Some things go back to, does this make sense for where I am now, right? And creating a map of what it is that you wanna do versus what you can do. And maybe if you can't do that today, you can plan for, create a three or five year plan of how to get there, right? But don't have someone else, I'm going to say it louder for those in the back, don't have someone else impose their value system on you, right? Just like we're going to go use your brother again. Your brother was strong enough to say, y'all are good taking out the debt. This is not what I want to do. But your value system was I need to go to college and I need to do this, whatever else. And neither of you are wrong. You just chose different paths to get to your destinations, right? So I'm actually, I think in the next week, published an article that says keeping up with the Joneses, right? Because too often we try to keep up with what we think others are doing. We're not subscribing to that anymore. Mm. We're not. Okay, um, so my, my secret at the end is not even the Joneses are keeping up with the Joneses. Um, so look at your own value system as to what makes sense for your financial life and don't let anyone else impose their set of systems or
1: our values on yours. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. Now, Casey Jordan, I have a question. Um, there's been a lot of commercials uh, and I don't know if you've seen them on uh, ways you can invest your money, right? I've seen a couple of them, and I can't remember them by name right now, but there have been a couple that have been popping up on screen, and they always show young people um, saying they can invest $1, $5, um, $10 in certain things, and that that will help them to at least get to a place where they're able to invest money for the bigger picture. Um, are these lucrative? Are, are they things that people should really be looking into? Are they scams? Because I'm just I'm just curious. I don't know anything about any of these, but I've seen the commercials on TV about them. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like it's a very easy way to get into any kind of investment. Because the old trend of thought is, you know, you have to go on the market and look at the, the trends from the day. And, you know, a lot of my older patients, when I walk into their houses, they're they're checking out their stocks and their bonds and their iCADs and, and whatever in the paper. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But a lot of our younger people are now into newer ways to look at investments. So, are any of these new investment tools lucrative? Are they are they scams? Are they are they real life? What are they exactly? Do you know?
0: So, I don't know specifically what you're talking about, right? So, I'll start there. Um, what I will say is, there are likely apps that will allow you, and I'm I'm not going to say any names. Um, but there are apps that you could, the same concept, right? It's putting away a little bit at a time until it gets to a dollar mm-hmm. amount where you can invest, right? So you don't need an app necessarily to do that. Um, some of them allow, um, it's called Roper Advisors, where they can buy you either fractional shares of something. So you start the investment process. And depending on how it does, it's compounding. Remember I said earlier in our conversation that it might feel small when you're beginning, but over time, it really, really adds up that's not so dissimilar to what we what you just asked right it's that small concept of putting away a little bit at a time and starting the investment process that's more habit forming and in, in, in a good way right good habit forming to put the be consistent put the money away do that do that consistently. Um, And I'll say that you can probably do that for yourself once you start creating those good habits. So look at the dollar amount that you can say, you know what, I'm not going to feel this dollar amount if it comes out of my paycheck, Um, automatically take it out and start building. And when you automate that process. It's almost life changing because it almost becomes a game. We're like, wait, you mean I can just um, put another few dollars here and there, and it starts building up over time? It's a matter of consistency over trying to be that, do that big one thing, um, and then never doing it again.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're a financial planner and a CPA, and the market's picking up right now with the economy opening up, stores opening up, people going out there, and businesses are. Booming again, you know, sports are back. Everything is kind of back, right? Um, What tips do you want to share, or can you share with people who want to invest their money right now, uh, with the economy now swinging upwards? Are there anything that you could could show us, or let us know where we should maybe be investing for those who do want to invest in anything financially, or ways that besides 401k we should possibly be putting our money into to uh, take advantage of this time in the economy right now?
0: So unfortunately, I can't give specific recommendations, right? Because I don't know people's financial situations. But as I, you know, to help you to think about it, um, the markets bottomed um, last March. And now we're almost at historical highs again, if not depending on the day historical highs of where the markets are. So you're already on that very upswing. So if you are going to buy, you're going to be buying at the highest points currently. However, we don't Know where the market's going to go or where it's going to run to. I would, especially if you're starting out. This is the my my strategy for investments: buy something that's broadly diversified, right? Because then you can have. So think of when I say broadly diversified, something that's going to give you like the S and P five hundred. That's broadly diversified because you're in essence you're owning one investment that has 500 companies invested. You don't have to think about, okay, do I wanna buy airline or do I wanna buy retail or do I wanna buy, you know, all the things that are supposed to benefit from this time period. It takes away the, um, I guess, the, the risk, and especially depending on the dollar amounts that you're talking about, where you're going to start on the, and on the investment side. So you can look for an ETF that's going to give you broad diversification. Another um, one, and again, these are not, can't say it enough, these are not recommendations. These are just things to say, okay, the concept of how to invest broadly is, um, the top thousand companies or, you know, companies that um, and buy an ETF that's going to give you that broad diversification, because then, you know, if you're not doing the research to pick one stock company,
1: you know, it, it becomes a lot easier to invest that way. Hmm. That's, that's actually great advice. I think that um, a lot of people get, get caught up in the trends um, because the trends are always changing. Um, but it's good to know that there are definitely times to do those certain things and times not to. Um, I think a lot of people lose lose sight of that. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about the current trends are that there are a lot of new things that are coming out right now. Uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, all these different terms are being thrown out right now. And I think it's a very interesting time for the financial markets when you have this new sense of currency that that is that is now booming and booming up. Can you talk to listeners about what, what these things are, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, for those who don't know, and for those who have maybe uh, the questions in their mind about whether this is actually an accurate or relevant thing or not?
0: So um, I think you say new. It depends on what you consider to be new, right? I remember sitting at my desk in my former role at UBS and watching um, – Uh, Bitcoin at 18,000 and then going back down to like six, right? So a lot of people got burned. And this was, I don't know, five, six years ago, if not more at this point. So it's just becoming more like of a household name, I would say. Um, So there is blockchain, there's cryptocurrency, there's like so many different variations of owning this. Um, one of the things that I would caution, especially as you're, you're thinking or others are thinking of, should I be buying Bitcoin? Can you handle the volatility, which means the up and down swings of what Bitcoin is going to do or the um, some version of Bitcoin right, cryptocurrency? So I know not too long ago, it was at like 50 something thousand and then it dropped down to 30,000 in a very, very short time. If you cannot handle that kind of volatility and market movement, and in, I, I don't even know if I would say investment, but if you can't handle that level of volatility, it is likely not for you because you're going to sell it. You're going to buy it at the high. Remember I talked about where the markets are like record highs now, and you're going to sell it at the lows. So you're going to end up losing a whole lot of money. And then you're going to say, I tried investment. It didn't work, whatever else. And then you're going to lump everything into this basket of investments are not. So I would say go with things that are more or be okay with the amount of risk that you're willing to take. That's a big part of it. And that goes for any investment, right? Um, and then potentially diversification, not having all your investments. If this is how you're starting to invest um, just from a longer term perspective, not having every dollar that you're investing in cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or whatever it
1: is that you're going to whatever variation you're going to use. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my, um, my younger uh, interns come in and they they're always talk about whatever they want or lost or gain or, you know, on a certain date, I'm like, what are y'all talking about? But they're, they're in it, they're, they're, they're watching. And I, and I think it's, it's, it's cool to see uh, younger people involved and really interested in investing. Um, I mean, some of them are putting a lot of money into this $10,000, $5,000 of their own money into these certain things. And, you know, I, I was not putting that kind of money into anything when I was, you know, in my in my 20s, you know, teens and what have you. But they're, they're doing it and they're actually watching how the market, how the market trends. So I think it's, I think it's great for um, the future of, of financial investors, young people and, and above. And I do think that, like you said, uh, knowing what your response is and your personal uh, ability to handle those those trends is going really, really to be a really good thing to look out for. Um, now. I, you, you've done a number of things, right? Just not the financial stuff uh, in terms of the workplace, but also for your church. And you and I are, are both uh, church folk. We, we give back to our church with our own skills and our own talents. And I, I love when I see people doing what they love outside and it's still being parallel inside. I think a lot of people um, don't have that opportunity or that ability to do what they like to do nine to five, six days a week, what have you, and still be able to do that on that seven day or in that church-like setting to give it to your community. So you you and I share that in common, and I appreciate that. And I know you wrote this book. Um, as a fellow author, I'm always inspired who, who write books. And um, I wanna know about what your book, Walking by Faith and Not by Sight, learning to be still in the midst of life's chaos. Where'd the book come from? What inspired you to write it and just give us not all the not all the information, but just a couple of tips uh or some 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 brief uh excerpts of what the book is really about.
0: Sure. So I'll update the fact that now there are three books. Um so the first one is Walking by Faith, the second one is Walking in Obedience. And last year, in the midst of the pandemic, my daughter decided she wanted to write a book with me. Um, and so we have um a book geared towards children, a children's book actually, with um Illustrated, um, and it's Amelia and her many talents. So I'll answer the question on, I guess, the first two. Um, I reluctantly started writing, and through consistency and just doing one thing at a time and writing one blog post at a time um, on the 14th, so four days from now, it will be five years of me consistently writing. Only God gets that glory. Um, and as a result, being able to publish the books, and it's devotions. So it's a three-minute read on a topic and it's usually something that I experienced. And then I tie it back to either just what, what God is trying to teach me through those lessons, right? So the the first two books are really just lessons that God was teaching me. The first one was being still and I published that book in 2018, Learning to Be Still in the Midst of Life's Chaos. Can, can we talk about life being chaotic last year in 2020? So when I saw how almost prophetic that title loan was when we're in the midst of um, 2020 and I'm like tearing out my hair because I'm now teacher, business owner, chef, housekeeper, like everything, all wearing that one hat and then having to learn how to be still through that process. And I'm like, God knew I needed to have that title beforehand um so it's it's again a three minute read um and then it ends with prayer a scripture reading and a thought for you to ponder with blinds so that you can journal how god has spoken to you through that um through that experience
1: Mm, that's incredible that's Mm -hmm. incredible yeah i love that um you know as as a fellow author it's it's the writing process is very interesting um I never knew or thought I'd be an author myself. But looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Everything I have in there, just life experiences that that you share with people on a regular basis. And I always say that anybody can be an author. Really, we all have a story. We all have a journey. We all have experiences we can put out there. And the fact that your book shares those things, um, so timely, right? Getting ready for the pandemic and whatever um, was was just really, really incredible. Um, So I have to get that book myself and check it out. Yeah, I got to do that. Um, listen, Be More Today is my baby. It's basically the, the business that we have here. Um, me and my boy Terrence Farrell, we put this platform together to really highlight people who are doing great things and to showcase that everyone can just be more. Um, but we're always curious of what Be More Say means to everyone, because it's a very uh, specific phrase, but it's different for everyone in terms of everything, concept and profession and what have you. So... Ms. Gordon, you are the 63rd person that we're going to ask this question to. So when you hear the phrase, Be More Today, what does Be More Today mean to you?
0: So can we can we pause there before I even answer the question and congratulate you on 63 episodes? It takes commitment and dedication and consistency and a whole lot of hard work that a lot of people don't see behind the scenes. So Sean, we're going to congratulate you and your partner today. Um, be more means being more than you were before, right? Um, and I talk about that concept of keeping keeping up with the Joneses. I don't attempt to keep up with the Joneses. I'm only trying to keep up with myself and becoming the better version of myself every single day. Um, one of the things that I, I write in a, um, a planner when I do it, um, and it asks you, what are you going to do today? And the thing that I always answer almost daily is I'm going to do the thing that I said that I would for my clients, for the people around me. So I'm going to keep my word because that is extremely, extremely important. So I always have to go back. What was my word? How can I be better at doing the thing that I said I would do? So I think that's that's part of being more consistently. And the more you're more, um, I think the more you show up for
1: others as well. Powerful. 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 Listen, I got one more question for you. and It's kind of a sidebar question. So you share so much information and, and so much um, experience when it comes to financial planning. Um, you also have your, your spiritual walk, which to me is, is all connected. Um, when someone comes to you and they they say like, look, I want to work on my financial planning. I want to get to a better place, but they can't afford it. Or they think they can't afford it because they're in a place where they say, look, I'm coming to you because I have a financial issue. Right. So how can I afford to pay for your services if I have a financial issue? But how can I also get better unless I need or get guidance for my financial issue? What happens then? What do you do in that situation? Have you experienced that? Um, what are your thoughts on that? So sure. Um, so I'll start
0: with what you don't know can cost you. Right. Um, and sometimes just having the right guidance can save you so much money over time. So you might have to think about it. Okay. Am I willing to put this investment into what I'm looking to accomplish? You can, lots of people label themselves as financial advisors, right? But not everyone is a true financial advisor. Sometimes they're just trying to sell your product, and you have to be careful of that. Mm. A financial advisor is going to start with, Sean, what's important to you? Let me hear what are the things that you're trying to accomplish instead of just showing up and saying, Sean, you need you need to get some insurance. You need to get this. You need to do that. That, that person's not looking to advise you. Right. So making sure that, first of all, you're being guided in the way that you need to be guided. So when that person comes, we're going to look at it. Sometimes you might be a high earner. Right. We talked about that before. And you might think you can't afford it but you'd be surprised when you look at it. I had a client come to me recently and she wasn't sure whether she could afford it or not, or whatever else. And then we, we looked at everything and I actually showed her what her net worth was overall. She was like totally surprised, right? She's like, I didn't know that. Um, so that won't always be the case. And sometimes you have to realize whether you're willing to pay for the, the value of the expertise. Like, 20 years of experience, the type of work that I've done, um, the way I bring finances to life when we have conversations. And not everyone's going to be able to afford that. Um, I might send you, just help you along your way, and then that's the end of it. But for those who are looking for more and looking to to look at different ways, because I'm looking at it from not just my perspective, but also the experience behind Mm -hmm. me, I can point out things that you might not have
1: Or would not figure out on your own. Hmm. Hmm. That is a wealth of knowledge that I I hope people recognize that, you know, even in writing this book, I, um, my publisher, Darren Palmer was very adamant. He's, I I said, look, I want to write a book, but I don't want to, I don't know if I can really put all this money into something I've never done before. And I don't know how you publish your book or how, how that came about, but it's a lot of money that goes into publishing. And (laughs) um, I I looked at it from a perspective of, well, this is also an investment. And that's how he pitched it to me. He said, this is an investment that you're going to be putting into that you're going to see other gains in the future. Um, but if you don't put the investment in, in yourself and into this, this process, you'll never really be able to see what's on the other side of that thing. And a lot of us, I think, get caught up um, in all aspects, right? To not want to take that step to put the, the money on the, on the front end we can see on the back end um and it takes vision i think it takes vision it takes courage right it takes uh what you want to call it prayer or or being fearless or what have you it takes that to make sure that you can get to a place where this decision is something that you know will benefit you or your family or whoever your children in the long run and i think that that's what i've taken from this conversation with you is that trusting in you and relying on you for certain things can really help people to get to the next level, but they have to have that trust. They have to be able to come to you and say, look, I have an issue. I have a problem. Say with my job, right? People come to me and they have an issue, they have a problem, but they have to trust me that I can get into a physical place. People are trusting you to get to a financial place in the future. And, you know, I I think it's it's a big thing. I think we all should have financial advisors um, or at least access to them to ask questions, to, to make sure that we're making the right decisions because a lot of us are making decisions that we think, like you said, or most of them are keeping up with the Joneses. And I I blame social media for that a lot because social media, you know, when you see people on vacation you see people in their backyards or what have you, and they're doing their thing, you're like, man, what am I doing wrong? I always say that. What am I doing wrong? I I make good money. I do this, I do that. But there's still things that we're not, we're not seeing. And again, social media is just social media. It's not real life. You know what I mean? So I I think having access to, to people in your profession and like you doing your work, um, would be just great for us to have on a regular basis. So I, I applaud the work you do. I'm very, very happy and excited to connect with you. And if people want to connect with you and, and learn more about what you're doing or how they get in contact with you or to connect with you to, to learn more about how they can benefit from your services, how can they find you on social media or otherwise? Sure, Sean. But I have a favor to ask you, even before we get there. Can you go back to the quote that you started with? Yeah. The quote again is the price of an action is far greater than the cost of making a mistake. We did not plan this,
0: right? So apply that to now the finances of not wanting to pay that price, but what it costs you on the over and over and over of doing the same mistakes, um, whether it's credit card debt that you can pay down because you have other assets. So I, I just think that there is... and. You can use my services or not, whatever else. But I think it's hiring someone who knows more about what you're trying to accomplish, right? And being willing to pay for that. Yeah. So, if someone wanted to reach out to me, um, my email is k.gordon@clarusfinancial.com. So, k.gordon@clarusfinancial. Um, my name—I'm not very creative. On Facebook is Casey and Gordon, and my Instagram is Casey Gordon. Awesome. Awesome. And of LinkedIn, Casey and Gordon as well.
1: (laughs) Any final tips you want to share with aspiring CPAs, aspiring financial people, anyone who wants to uh, invest differently than we talked about today, or just any tips you want to share on how we can just make sure we can hopefully one day also be able to climb up the, the wealth or the wealth chain or wealth ladder?
0: Sure. So I always start with be careful where you're getting your advice from. Right. So I'll start there. Be careful. Make sure that your sources are knowledgeable. Make sure that you're not just being sold something. Make sure you understand what they're trying to teach you Um, in terms of those who are trying to be um, CPAs or CFPs. Those are very different roles. So I would say look to see what the benefits are. Right. We talked about this. Don't just go get a whole lot of student debt and not know whether it is something that you're really interested in. Um, having a CPA license allows me to do a whole lot of things, but I don't practice as a CPA, um, but I understand taxes and all of that. And I can articulate that in conversations and start small, start where you are, like be consistent. I think more than anything else, more than the, the big dollar amounts, to start investing is just to start where you are and pay attention to where your money is going. I think that's even more important on the other side, because you might be able to save a whole lot more than you think you can. Um when you're doing it. Um, and if you have retirement plans and companies that you left previously, those, that's still your money. 401k plans that you had, that you no longer work at the company, make sure you're paying attention to that. Um, I work with clients who do that as well, or they had 401k plans of companies that they've not been in for how long, but nobody's paying attention to that. So you want somebody who's paying attention to your finances on an overall basis and putting it all together for you.
1: Awesome. Casey and Gordon, thank you so much for being on the show today. You have made episode 63 one for the books. We appreciate you. And yeah, we got to have you back on the show. I'm I'm thinking about trying to do a whole financial summit with all of my finance people. Um, Because I think a lot of people can really benefit from the wealth of knowledge you guys have. And it, it doesn't make sense that only those who are wealthy are getting wealthier, right? We always say the rich get richer, which is true. Um, but th- there, there needs to be a change, a change in the guard, you know, for us to really make sure we can educate our young people and people even under us to make sure they're making the right decisions for their finances. And even us, you know, who are in places of, 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 of higher level education to make sure that we're making the right decisions, uh, even as we move forward. So I'm going to have you back on the show to talk with some other financial people at some point in time, and we're gonna make it happen for sure.
0: My pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And folks, our quote from today, don't forget it. The price of an action is far greater than the cost of making a mistake. We talked about it here. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself, right? You can invest in the market. You can invest in those things. This is great. And there's definitely ways to do that the right way, uh, as Gordon talked about uh, throughout our, our whole conversation. But really, taking the time to make sure you're making the right decision for yourselves is crucial. Take that time, invest in yourself, recognize where you are, know where you are financially. Uh, and if you do need help, right, whether we you go to a doctor when you need physical help, you go to a psychiatrist when you need mental help, see a financial planner if you need financial help. It is one of the best things you could probably do. And this show is not just for you. It's also for me. So I can make sure I'm making the right decisions about what we're trying to do with our money, right? So make sure you go out there and make the right decisions for you. Uh, Casey and Gordon is a great example of someone you can reach out to and, and, and will not just, again, sell you something, but will show you something. And, and I personally have had people who I've, I've sat down with and they were trying to sell me stuff. But I can already tell just based on, you know, um, Ms. Gordon's conversation and her content that she is really trying to make people better. And make our community better. So, follow her on the social media platforms and her email. We'll put that in the chat as well. And as always, continue to follow us on Be More Today. We're everywhere. BeMoreToday.com for my book, our podcast information, our music. Uh, we're putting a thousand things out there. Our cardio mix is out there on Apple Podcasts. So, check it out if you're doing your running with us and continue to watch us on and follow us on Strava. If you're on Strava doing your bikes, you're walking, your running, we love seeing you guys move. Um, the Words for Life show is always available. In, Going out every single Wednesday. So my boy T. Farrell, watch out for him. Support him always. And as I always say, folks, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life. And continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you. We'll see you next week. Peace.